What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Uh, we're so thankful you're here. If you're new to the Fathom family and maybe just checking us out, we just want to welcome you. We pray that you find it's a place not only to, to be encouraged to grow in your faith, but a, a real place to connect in community and to, to have a spiritual family that you can walk through life with. Because how many of us know we, we need it? Like we desperately need it and we don't know how bad we need it until we need it. You know what I mean? And so invest in that today. Because tomorrow or the day after, the year after, you're going to wish you did. And so lean in, continue to just, just make friends, build relationships. Come on, put yourself out there and, and start a, a new relationship. We're excited about what God's doing here at Fathom Church. There's a lot that's going on. A lot is changing and transitioning. You can see we've got a new play park that we're, we'll be in the process of happening. Our food pantry is in the, the a season of expansion um, there's some things going on in our, in our next-gen ministry and our kids. We're trying to make space for all these babies, a lot of babies. I think we got a new one in the house uh, back there, Sean and Leah Crawford, their new baby in, in the house. And so it's just, it's really fun. We're really excited about that. So you'll notice some shifts as we're just looking to serve you better and better. Uh, as we've had, like, uh, you know, we went and visited them in the hospital uh, here recently, and we've had... Uh, a, a lot of babies being born, and uh, I was thinking, Taryn and I have been talking a lot about kind of the early years of of uh, our, our, our first son, Beckett, who's actually, this is his, he moves up to student ministry this week, so this is a big Sunday, and so he's up here on the front row, he's officially shifted out of kids ministry, and so we were just talking about, man, those early years of uh, lots of, I mean, we had this one phrase, like when it's a rough day, Taryn would just say, babies are crying, people are dying, like it's rough. It's rough right here, and it's intense, and I know some of you are in that season, or some of you can begin to think back to that season in your life, um, maybe where you, you can remember like the cassettes, the records, or the tapes, uh, the eight tracks that you were listening to, and, and were your lullaby things. You guys remember that, some of you? Like, you remember when your kids were, were little there? Some of y'all are like, I'm, I'm 17, and I don't have a kid. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's okay. Uh, this, is, this is our experience. Well, we had this one CD. There was this album back in the day. Uh, that it was from a group called Rockabye Baby. Has anybody ever heard of Rockabye Baby? Yeah, it was cool. Like way back in the day, they just had like a few bands. And so we had the U2 album. I'm sorry, I'm a U2 fan. Um, and then we had like a, a couple other ones. Well, I got on this week to kind of see. I want to kind of give you this um, this morning because I'm going somewhere with this. Um, and I found they have all kinds. There's like a Blake Shelton lullabies. If you're really into Blake Shelton, and you really want your kids to just have Blake Shelton in their heart, then feel free to look up that. <clears throat> but I thought it'd be fun for, uh, this morning before we get this series kicked off, or as we're getting this series, Faithful in Babylon, kicked off, to have a little fun and play Name the Lullaby. So these are Rockabye babies. So I want you to shout out when you recognize the lullaby. Um, let's, let's just shout it out. Okay, let's see what happens. Go ahead and fire it away. Go to the next one. Can we turn it up? You got the music? What is it? Somebody say, Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash. That's right. Right? So it's a full, it's a full-length album of Johnny Cash. Right? So there's one of them, if you're really into that, of course. All right. So uh, we've got more. Let's, let's go to the next one. You guys got that one pretty quick. Cool. 
pick it out? Somebody said Adele. What song is it? Hello, there we go. Off on the front row. Awesome. Adele's Hello. Yeah, I mean, if you're an Adele fan, you can rock a bye baby to some Adele. Uh, here's, here's one more. This is going to take a little bit. And as, um, go, go ahead and fire it. You see how quickly you can get this one, right? It, it takes a build up, but you guys are so quick. I think you'll get this one too. Because <laughs> of weird instruments. Once the beat drops in, you know it. You know it. <laughs> MJ, what song is it? Beat it, yeah. yeah so, so if you're looking for some things to, to rock out to, some chillo marimbas or whatever that is uh, in the background, well, go ahead and fire the next one. This one takes a little bit long to get to, and I want to tell you a story um, from that first year of our life. Um, Taryn and I, we, it was like that first year, Becky was a little baby, and uh, it was it was really um, it was really a, an intense you know time. What would happen to me is every single day I'd come home about five o'clock. And Taryn had, was at home with our kids at the time, and, and um, our kid it was just Becky. And I'd come in at five o'clock. And, you know, in my head, my son was going to come running up to me saying, "Dad, Dad, Dad, Dad." He wasn't even walking yet, but that's how like my brain was like, He's just going to be so excited to see me. Well, every day I got home at what you know young parents call witching hour, which is like the most brutal day, like hour of the day in which your kid is just like acts like they're possessed with demons. Like they're just, it's insane. And they're just screaming and it's, and it's torture. Well, one night in the middle of the night, um, I walk into the room after Becca had been crying for a while. So he's crying. Of course, what happens after a while, you can't get them settled. Taryn starts crying. You're not surprised. She starts crying that he's crying. I walk in and we're there for a while. And I start crying because she's crying because he's crying. And all, we're just like looking at each other. We're like deeply exhausted. And we're just like, there's got to be like, what are we doing wrong? Like, right? Because it's not supposed to be hard like this, right? It's supposed to be easy and sweet little babies. And we just rock in the thing. Like our life is like perfect. And then this clicks in the back. This is the Coldplay, the scientist, and this, this epic chorus that screams out, nobody said it was easy. And we just looked at each other like, yeah, nobody said it was easy. And so uh, maybe you're a Coldplay fan, maybe you're not, um, but this is the scientist. And I say all that to say is because in the middle of the moment of raising uh, our first year with Beckett, we realized it's not going to be easy to be parents, but Jesus said the same thing to his disciples. He said, it's not going to be easy. Life is not always going to be easy, but that's not what I'm promising you. In this world, you're actually going to face some troubles, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard sometimes. He's like, but you can take comfort because I give you my peace in the midst of that. And I thought that was a fitting story as we've explored that as parents. Some of us are exploring that right now as believers. You're in a season that's difficult. It's challenging in different ways or or maybe it's the work environment and the work schedule that's difficult for you right now. Maybe things in your marriage are difficult. Maybe the shifts that have happened in your job have been a lot. Maybe it's literally you're in that season holding the crying baby and they won't stop crying. Or maybe you're the dad that walks in on witching hour and feel very rejected by your son. Um, 
I don't know, maybe it's something very serious and heavy in your life that, that what you're going through, maybe you're battling sickness that you've been praying for healing for a long time and you're still struggling through it. And so uh, today we're kicking off this new series called Faithful in Babylon. And today as you exit here on site, I want you to grab a hard copy of one of our 30 days of prayer um, and because uh, in here we're going to be reading the scriptures together. If you're new here, a couple times a year, we, we lean in together away from our group identities that we have uh, during the week and, or our personal study, and we lean in and we read together. And so there's a, a, a group on the Church Center app. If you're not connected anywhere and want to jump in there, Christina does an amazing job. Anybody that's ever been a part of a group, she does an amazing job really daily helping you understand what's going on. And I know some of you are like, I'm a little intimidated. She's going to help you. She's going to help you. That's going to be an encouragement. And then it's an opportunity for you to engage too and, and hear what God's speaking, to uh, say what God's speaking to you, or to ask questions. Maybe that's your processing. So we're really excited about the season. You can also get that on the homepage of the Church Center app. So if you don't have that, grab that. Um, and then you can always find that digital copy right there. But throughout that, we're going to be reading through the stories of Joseph and of Daniel. The story of Joseph really happens at the end of Genesis, Genesis chapter 37 through 50. It's really his, his life, and of course, in Daniel, we'll be looking at the entire book of Daniel. And, I, and I've been thinking about this series for a while because I was really moved by their faithfulness. Uh, Daniel uh, served under um, an ungodly king in his courts for 30 years. 30 years of serving a man who doesn't get your way of life and your faith. He, he was 30 years he served faithfully in that. Joseph found himself in all kinds of situations that when we really look at it in comparison to the struggles and the nobody said it was easy of our life, we're like, well, I'm not, I didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> it was very difficult, but he was faithful. And, and so I want to highlight some of their faithfulness, but ultimately, I want us to reflect on God's faithfulness to them. For, for Joseph, it was in all kinds of different places, but particularly in Egypt, God showed his, his power and his promises had not left him, the dreams he had put in his heart. With Daniel, it was faithful in a kingdom of Babylon that was wicked. It was, it was idol-worshipping. It was not devoted to God. It wasn't a Christian nation. It wasn't a Jewish nation. But, and so he had to learn and depend on God's faithfulness, even in the midst of the surrounding culture, which I think resonates with where we live today. Maybe it's in your work environment or right here in our city or school systems or whatever the pressures we feel of the outside world. God's going to be faithful to us even when it's not easy. And so we're going to dive in. What I want to do over the next few minutes is just kind of trace Joseph's story. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to start reading this together. And I pray that as you uh, dive in, you're going to like what I'm preaching today, you'll hear this week as you're reading. And, and even if you're like, you're, you, this isn't about reading every day and checking off the box. And if you didn't, you're not a good Christian. <laughs> That's not what this is but how easily we can make it that. Um, what, it, what it is, is it's diving in and saying, God, would you move in my life? I want to I meet you as you've revealed yourself 
through the scripture. I want to come to know you. I want to draw close to you. And so that's my prayer for you is not that you just come in and say, I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm going to read the Bible every day. Like even if you miss it for a couple days, it's okay. Like listen to it on your drive into work. Get caught up and jump right back on, okay? Is everybody with me there? Like this is not a guilt trip that you're going to put yourself on for the next 30 days, okay? <laughs> next time, cool, like good, like let's not do the guilt trip thing. So we're going to start with Joseph. Joseph's 17 years old, Genesis chapter 37. He's 17 years old and he is... Um, He's Abraham's great-grandson. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob, God changed his name to Israel. And Israel has 12 sons. The 12 tribes of Jacob or of Israel is what we get here. Joseph is one that was born to Jacob in his older years. So he was older. And Jacob, so Jacob loved him. uh, Israel loved him his son Joseph because he was born in his old years and so he gave him what he gave him this old or not this old this ornate cloak this ornate robe that you heard of the coat of many colors that many of you have probably uh, can remember different even pop culture things around the technicolor coat right and so um, Joseph is is walking um, at this time he's 17 years old and then he gets these two dreams these interesting dreams, and one of them, there's like this sheave of grain. Does everybody know what that is? It's like a, like a big palm frond, but it's grain. And so it, it's standing upright, and all the other sheaves of grain are bowing down to it. This is the dream that Joseph gets at 17 years old. And then he has another one, and, th- and in this one, um, he's standing there, and the sun, the moon, and the star, and 11 stars specifically are bowing down to him. So Joseph, at 17 years old, knows that this is a dream from God. He, he senses this is something real that God's going to do in my life, but he's 17 years old, and so therefore probably a little bit immature and even prideful. Was anybody a little bit prideful at 17 years old? I had all the answers at 17 years old. Well, Joseph's there, and so what does Joseph do? Like what a 17-year-old boy does. He goes and he tells his brothers, he's like, listen to me. One day you're going to bow down to me. You're going to bow down to me. And even he begins to tell this dream, even about his mom, his own mom and dad bowing down to him. And so whatever was going on there, immaturity or pride that caused him to kind of put this out in front of everybody else. Sometimes we feel like if we say it enough, then it'll actually happen. And it's a different story, different teaching for another day. But I, I do believe that there is this reality that we know that the things that God has planted in our heart, he will bring to pass whether we tell anybody or whether we don't, he'll bring it to pass in our life as we are faithful to him. And so he tells his brothers, his brothers didn't like him already because he's like the special one. I was watching, Becca and I were watching TV yesterday and there, you remember this commercial? There's this commercial came on and this dad is with his, his son and his daughter. They're eating chicken wings and there's all kinds of different flavors. It's commercial. And, um, and the daughter says, uh, dad, which one's, your fla- which one's your favorite? And he goes, oh, Josh, definitely. And uh, she goes, I meant chicken wings. <laughs> I meant, what's your favorite flavor of the chicken wings? <laughs> and the dad said, his son was his favorite. Like, he just kind of like spouted off real quick. That was his favorite. And so the brothers are getting like in- intensely jealous. And Joseph goes out to them. And they're like, let's kill him. Like, we're over his lip. <laughs> this little punk 17-year-old that thinks everybody's going to bow down to him. Let's deal with this. Let's kill him. One brother, Reuben, says, no, no, let's don't kill him. 
And then we read here in Genesis chapter 37, verses 23 to 24, says this. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of the robe, the cloak, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. For those of you that don't know what a cistern is, it's like a well of sorts, an ancient well. There was a lot of space in there. Uh, it was underneath the ground. It was a kind of ancient way of doing the, the well thing. And uh, we can see immediately here a number of things are taking place. One, they stripped something of value to him that he had actually like had been given to him that was special to him. It, it it indicated and revealed his father's choosing and his father's love of him. And they ripped that off of him, this beautiful cloak. But we also immediately see the providence of God that there was no water in that cistern. <laughs> it's an empty well, and most of the time that's a bad thing. Today, this was a really good thing for Joseph because God spared his life because it was, was empty. And he's, he's in this moment, and as we begin to process what is what might this mean for my life and for our faithfulness? I think it's this, like faithfulness in our life is going to require us to remember our status with the Father. Faithfulness is going to require us to remember our status with the Father. See, he, his Father had chosen him, he was, and they ripped that from him, and and I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things, as Andrew was talking about, just few, there's a lot of things in this life that will try to strip us of who our Father calls us. He's called us His beloved sons and daughters. And your spiritual enemy will try to strip that off of you. The, the pressures of your life, the difficulties, the, the nobody said it was easy seasons will cause us to forget who we are in Christ. The, the pressures of uh, our life will, will begin to to begin to break us and cause us to lose focus on who we are. And that would have been so easy for Joseph to do in, in this moment. It's easy to forget when the world has rejected us. When your own family has rejected you, we have to remind ourselves, we're going to be faithful. I've got to remember who I am in Christ. I've got to remember my status with the Father. Hey, even if they take the cloak from me, I'm going to be faithful. And Christ is our perfect example of this, is he not? I was reading through Hebrews uh, chapter 2 in this beautiful passage just um, emerged here, and I want to read it with you today um, because the reality of, of Joseph's calling and the dream that God had given him in his life and the promise of uh, of what God was going to bring to pass had not yet come to fruition. It's like, well, what about my dream? And some of us, maybe there's some things in our life and we feel like the promises we're clinging to. And we're like, well, what, what now? Our bubble has been burst. Our hope for the future has, has dissolved and we find ourselves in a cistern moment. Hebrews 2 verses 6 through 10 is an encouragement for us to not forget our identity in Christ. But there's a place when someone testified, uh, he's reflecting on the, on the psalmist here, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him, and you made a little lower than the angels, you made them, talking about humanity, talking about uh, you made a little lower than the angels, and you crowned them with glory and honor. He's reflecting back on Genesis. 
And you put everything under their feet, that everything was subject and the rule was for mankind. And in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. He gave us a rule over the creation. Yet, at the present, we don't see everything subject to them, right? There's some things that we don't have quite control of, right? And it's jarring when things happen to us. We go through things that are out of our control, and heavy things, and we find ourselves in these moments. But I love this. Even though we don't see it like that today, verse 9 says, but we do see Jesus. Come on. Is that, is that comforting as we reflect on the finished work of creation? It's not finished. And like, well, what happened, God? Aren't we supposed to be like more than conquerors and like everything subject to us? But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, like three years, like he came and he made himself into human form, fully God, fully man, now crowned with glory and honor um, because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, we might not taste, that he might taste death for everyone and bringing many sons and daughters, us, to glory. A crown, an identity, a robe that he gives us through his death. It's fitting that God, whom for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. There is a refining of us that happens in these, these low moments, these cistern moments where it's like, you know, I didn't realize it, but my identity was actually in that robe more than I realized it. I actually felt more comfort when things were easy, when I, I didn't have to suffer it was a lot easier to remember that. But Christ goes before us as a perfect example of faithfulness, suffering everything, even to the very end. And so we can be faithful. We can rely upon Him. And we know in the middle of our low moments, He hears us. He hears us. And He's not far from you. His brothers are not far from Joseph at this moment. They're just a few feet away. And I imagine them sitting by the campfire and He's in the bottom of the pit, and they can hear him screaming. Who knows what he's saying to them at the bottom of this pit. He's probably thanking God he's alive. I don't know. Maybe he wishes he was dead. Maybe it gets that bad that quick. Come on, you ever have one of those? Like, things are really good until we have a bad day, and then it goes really, like, just kill me now, right? It goes really quick to that place. I'm not sure, but his brothers can overhear him screaming out. They ignore him, and they look up in the distance and they see these Ishmaelites. So when you read, you're going to see a reference to the Ishmaelites and the Midianites. It's the same group of people, the same tribe. Um, but I, I just want you to know that it's, a, it's the same group because that can be confusing. And so they see them coming and they, they wanted to kill them. They throw them in there. And somebody's like, hey, let's sell him. Let's get some money out of it. I don't want to have to deal with it. They sell him into slavery to the Ishmaelites who are traitors and they're headed into Egypt and they're going to sell him in slavery to a man named Potiphar. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But I want to reflect on something that happens here in, in Genesis chapter 37. Reuben comes up to the cistern. He stands over the cistern that his brother used to be hanging out in, like, or like at the bottom of, and he begins to tear his clothes after his brother has been... And, and Reuben, the one that's like, don't kill him, put him in, the, you know, let's throw him in the pit. He's the one. He tears his clothes in mourning and recognizing that what he did was wrong, that he did not stand up hard enough. 
he kind of had one foot in, like, hey guys, let's don't kill him. But that was not an act of righteousness. He knew it. And so he begins to tear his clothes. His brothers are like 25 feet from the place of their brother, and they, it will not hit their hearts until 25 years later towards the end of Genesis that they'll reflect on it after they've gone through a lot of hardship. And I just want to tell us today that faithfulness is going to require standing for righteousness. It, it, it's, it's not just remembering who we are in Christ, but it's going to be standing for who we are in Christ. Standing upon the, the, the principles of His Word, the truth that God has revealed to us. And, and that can be a difficult thing. It, sometimes it's, it's easy when things are really hard, you know, um, to just come running to God, I need you, God. But sometimes in these moments, we, can, we don't know where, and it's hard to stand up for righteousness. And he's struggling um, with this in this moment. But I can tell you that every moment that we don't stand up for righteousness in our life, we're going to regret. We're going to regret those moments we didn't do the right thing. We didn't speak up to our employer when we knew what they were doing was wrong when we didn't get in the way of some abuse that was taking place or whatever it might be, when we didn't stand up for what is right and for what is true. Um, and, and so we need to learn to, to, to stand up for righteousness, knowing that it's not by our own works that we're saved, it's by the righteousness of Christ, but that we are vessels and lights of the gospel of Jesus in this world. And so we must stand up for righteousness. Uh, the, the neck, you'll flip over a couple of chapters and you'll just see it gets ugly with this family, like Judah sleeps with his like daughter-in-law, and she's like dressed up like a prostitute. Like it's like a, it's a messy situation here that takes, they, they end up faking their brother's death, putting blood on the coat and telling their, their father that he's dead. Your son's dead, an animal killed him. And they move on with their life. Joseph is sold to this guy named Potiphar, and Potiphar is like the head of the secret service, like I don't know what you picture of the head of secret. I like a dude that, that means business. Like this is not a dude to be trifled with. He had purchased Joseph into his service. And um and, and he was kind of yeah, like head of, of the secret service in Pharaoh, in Pharaoh's army, right? So he was um, a high ranking official. But God was with Joseph in this time, in the pit, in the cistern, and, and now in, in in slavery. Now in Potiphar's house. Look at what um, this ch- uh, chapter says here. Verse, uh, chapter 39 says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, it just worked. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And from the time that he had put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, and he concerned himself with anything except the food he ate. Come on, that's a good day, right? I'm not worried about anything. Now, what I'm going to eat today. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Thank you for that detail. It helps us think of a good-looking dude. And that sets up where this passage goes. 
um, right here, we, we see that, that God's favor was still, his hand was still on him. Even if he had lost the cloak, we see that Joseph's character was intact. And often, the shots we take, the cloak being ripped from us, can cause something to crumble inside of us, and that's our character. That's doing the right thing. That's being faithful, even when our boss hates us. Even when people talk about us behind our back, that doesn't, that's not going to change the character in which I'm going to live with and that I'm called to live with. I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to continue to walk in righteousness. But let's be real, in most of our lives, that's not how it works. We're dog-eat-dog. Eye for an eye, Hammurabi code. Like, we're just, that's, that's how we operate. But the way of Jesus, the way of God, is not like we're, we're people of character and integrity that even when they strip us of our robe, we're gonna be faithful and we're gonna be able to bless and we're gonna be able to make a difference where we're at in the Babylons, the Egypts, the Jacksonvilles, the, the public work environments that we might find ourselves in. We can be faithful because God has been faithful to us. We see that Joseph moves. I mean, this moves very quickly, right? We just read a few verses. That's like 11 years of his life from, 18, from 17 to 28 years old. That, that happened fast, right? So it's a lot of periods. It didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't an overnight success to move from intern to assistant to the regional manager to assistant regional manager. It, it, it didn't happen overnight. It was an 11-year period. And I love this quote I've said for years of, of Eugene Peterson that that faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction. I'm not going to hit the eject button just because it gets hard. I'm just going to continue to be faithful. I, I'm going to just keep going in the same direction. I'm going to keep trusting God, even if it's hard. Well, things, like I said, it's, it's, sometimes it's easier to run to God when it's difficult and we find ourselves in a cistern and we find ourselves in a season of slavery, but then kind of you start at the bottom, now you're at the top, and it's a little bit easier. I mean, he's well-built and handsome. He was young. He had power now. Come on. How many examples have we seen in our history of the world that that power kind of really can, can corrupt? Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Come on, you've heard that one. It begins to to crumble in so many of us. But we see in Joseph it didn't. What takes place in these next few moments, Potiphar's wife approaches Joseph and says, come to bed with me. It's possible that Joseph was a eunuch, which means there was nothing going on in the bedroom, um, and that just his, he was devoted to service of Pharaoh. That there was no losing his focus. And so Egyptian women are known for their looseness and their promiscuity, and so this is not a surprising scene in the ancient Egyptian world. But she says, come to bed with me. And I want you to look at this verse. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. And he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out of the house. See, in the first text we looked at, the cloak was ripped from him. You could say it was ripped here, but the way it's, it's said is that he left it because Joseph had a choice in that moment. He had temptation, and he could have given in right in that moment. He's a young, well-built, handsome man. Uh, I, I, who knows if, if Potiphar would even care, if it's just a part of their way of life. 
He had a choice to kind of just give in to carnal, fleshly desires in that moment, which would cost him. And often, many times, standing up for righteousness will cost us something of value to us. It'll cost us our job. It'll cost us some friendships. Come on, some of you know it's cost you your friendships, even relationship with our own family. Jesus told us that will happen too. He said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. There's going to there's gonna be mother and daughter and father and son that they're going to part ways because of your devotion to me. They're not going to get it. And this is the reality that we have to live with. If we're going to live a life of faithfulness, our devotion to Jesus, sometimes they're going to strip the cloak from us. Sometimes we're just going to have to leave it behind to be faithful to God. And praise God, Joseph did that. Like, what an, what an example. And this is, this is, I think, maybe something that Paul was, um, was, was drawing from in the New Testament when he said, like, flee from sexual immorality. Like, run from it. Don't, like, tinker with it. Don't hang out and, like, this is what I want to do. No, no, we have to know in a moment when the pressure of, am I going to be righteous or am I going to fall into sin? We have to run from it. We have to run from it. And so that's what Joseph does even in the midst of, of, a, of a powerful moment, like he has a, a power in his life. Well, it cost him. It, it didn't just cost him his cloak. It, it cost him all that he had achieved in the past 11 years. How depressing. Start at the bottom, got to this next tier, assistant regional manager. I'm just using that from office fans. But God was doing something in his life through all this. There was character just being molded and shaped, and God was preparing something far greater to fulfill the promises that he had, not only for his life, but for the lives of others. Let me just tell you before we move on, your faithfulness will be tested. It'll be noticed and recognized. Potiphar noticed his faithfulness. He recognized it. It didn't change things overnight but he recognized it. It got tested. And then what begins to happen after this moment is his integrity is questioned. And they throw him in prison. He's 28 years old at this time. He's been in, in Potiphar's service for 11 years. Now he's in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And we begin to, to move forward in the story. And we find in um, Genesis chapter um, 40, this story, he's in a prison for two years. He's in this prison and there's two other men who get dropped in here. One of them is the cupbearer. He's literally the taste tester for Pharaoh himself. Kind of the role that Nehemiah was in, in a later part of, of Scripture in the biblical story. That's what this man is in. He's the cupbearer to the king. There's another guy named, uh, we just know him as the baker, right? So there's this baker and this cupbearer who, at this time, uh, begin to have dreams themselves. And they're in this prison together, and, and, and I won't go through the whole thing of the dreams, but uh, essentially for the cupbearer, things are pretty good. Um, and Joseph uses this moment in prison, his own prison, to serve these men in, in interpreting their dreams. And he, tell, and he tells the cupbearer, he said, hey man, it's all good, just take a deep breath. Like, in three days, you're going to be restored back to your position. You're going to go back to your lame job. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you're going to go back to this. It was actually a pretty important job, so I'm just joking. But um, he's like, things are going to be fine. Well, with the baker, he's like, so about your dream. <laughs> uh, not so much. Um, I hate to tell you, you're going to be impaled on a pole. Like, he, he gives him, like, a vivid imagery for it. You're going to read it in Genesis chapter 40 this week and be like, oh, my gosh, that's vivid. 
And this is the reality. Joseph's sharing these very hard, one, hard reality and exciting reality. We see that Joseph says, hey, remember me, man, when you get out, cupbearer, remember me, look after me. And uh, he doesn't. He gets out and he forgets about him. He just moves on with his life. He served himself. Isn't that what everybody does around us? Like we find moments to serve them. Like I'm going to be like Christ, I'm going to serve people. And, and then like, uh, hopefully they'll return the favor. And then they don't. You ever been there? And you're like, and it can cause us to kind of retreat in our faithfulness and who we are called to be in serving others. But that opportunity, that, those little moments that he was sowing, those seeds of sacrificial service and using the gift that God had given him to interpret a dream, those seeds were being planted to be used in a much greater way in the, arc, in the, hist, in the history of the world. Like, honestly, not only the biblical but the history of the world. And it'll happen in the, in the following chapter where um, not, not only, there's a lot of dream stuff here. You'll find the same thing in Daniel. So if you're weirded out by, like, spiritual dreams, like, you're not going to love this. But there's a lot of it going on here. Um, and and at, at, this, at this moment, Potiphar himself will have two dreams. Joseph had two dreams. Cupbearer and the baker had dreams. Now Potiphar has two dreams. And in these dreams, um, Potiphar's like, I have no idea what this means. He calls some people. Nobody knows what it means. They're like, hey. The cupbearer's like, I remember this one dude who knew how to interpret dreams. Maybe you call him. He's been in prison for the past couple of years. Yeah, let's bring him up here. And, we'll, and Joseph interprets these dreams for Pharaoh himself. We're talking about a dude that's over an empire being called from a prison into the palace in this moment to reveal something very clear about what was not only happening, what was about to happen. And in it, he reveals that, hey, there's going to be seven years in which everything's fine. Things are going to be good in Egypt. There's going to be plenty. But then it's going to hit a seven-year famine, and things are going to get really hard here. And so Pharaoh had a moment where he can either listen to the advice of a prisoner, of a man who believes differently, who's in the lineage of Abraham, who's a Jew. He can listen to this and like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that word <laughs> revealed in the stream. I don't like, so I'm going to ignore it. Sometimes when someone's speaking something we don't want to hear, it's like, I don't want to hear it, so I'm just going to ignore it, and we think that's better. But that's not what Pharaoh does. Pharaoh listens, and I think we've got the text here about what he says to him. Do you have that one pulled up, Andrew, that next one? And now let Pharaoh, here's what he says to him. Now, what Joseph says to Pharaoh, now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and a wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt and let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. Somebody's been going through Financial Peace University, right? Um, uh, this food should be held in reserve for the country uh, to be used during the seven years of famine and that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined um, by the famine. See, what was taking place here and what I want us to hear in our life right now is not only is faithfulness going to be remembering who we are in Christ when the world strips us of our cloak, it, not, not only is it going to mean that we're going to have to stand for righteousness, even if it costs us our cloak, it's re- remembering that faithfulness, 
for us, even when all those things have taken place, that we're, we got to serve others. We got to keep serving. It, when we're in pain, when we're, it's easy to just begin to focus on ourselves and hurting people, hurt people. But hurting people are also selfish. And just because we're going through the anguish, remember God's faithfulness to us. Remember to act righteously and to be who God called us to be and to serve others. It'll keep you out of that pit of depression and allow God to continue to bring favor and blessing on your life because you don't know what seeds are being sown and planted right there. So don't burn those bridges when the boss, and you know, come on, I know everybody's got to triumph it like I'm going to quit. I'm going to tell them what's up. Story, come on, you got one of those in your head? You just, one day I'm just going to tell them what I think. Don't burn those bridges. Sow seeds of faithfulness and righteousness. And, God, and what Pharaoh says is like, okay, you're right. I should find that man. You're going to be it. <laughs> and he raises him up to be second in command over Egypt. This is going to be incredibly powerful uh, for the well-being of Israel, his home country, and his people as we look further into the story. We're not going to go everywhere here with this or, or any further now. You'll begin to read and we'll move through this throughout the series. But here's where I want to end and reflect on. Jesus willingly gave up his cloak to come and to be righteousness for us. They also stripped him of his cloak. He did that for us so that we could be faithful to him and worship him with our life and honor him and be a light in this world. That's very dark. That feels like Babylon at times, right? When we turn on the TV, it's like, what in the world has happened to our country? When you have conversations with people and you're just like, what in the world? God's faithful to you in the middle of your difficult season where it's, it's hard, but nobody said it was easy. So we gotta be faithful to God. I don't know where you're at today, but I wanna ask you to stand for just a few moments as we reflect on what God is speaking to us, reflect on the word of God and the story. Hope you're okay with me just navigating 13 years and a few chapters just in story form um, today, but I just want to, I don't know who, who maybe, maybe there's one of these that really stands out and say, that's for me today. And may, maybe the first one is, I need to remember my status as a son and daughter today. I need to remember who I am in Christ and my cloak's kind of been taken from me. I, I feel like I'm in a pit. I feel like I'm in a cistern right now. Um, and and I, I need to remember who God has called me to be, that I'm a beloved son and daughter. Uh, may, maybe that's not what it is today. Maybe you've got some situations in which you found yourself hat, one foot in, one foot out on righteousness and faithfulness, and, and you need to be reminded, I'm going to be faithful to God. And then finally, may, maybe it's today, it's just to be right, reminded to keep serving people, keep serving God in the midst of all that you have going on. We're going to keep serving God, and being faithful to serve those around us. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word that is alive. That's, it, it's alive. It's as sharp as a two-edged sword that just cuts bone from marrow. And, and God, we can sense that you are calling us, you are drawing us towards a life of faithfulness. But even before we reflect on that, may we reflect on your faithfulness to us. That in every season, no matter how good things are, no matter how difficult things are, you are faithful to us. 
that the things, the promises, the inheritance that you have for us as sons and daughters of God will come to pass. And they are coming to pass. And they are alive and they are, are moving in our hearts, God. May we be receptive to what you are doing in our life. Would you draw us back and remind us of our identity in you? Would you remind us, Father, today in the moments, would you quicken our spirit in the moments in which we're, we're prone to wander, we're prone to give in to our flesh? Would we have just the resilience and the quickness to just leave a cloak? I don't need it if it's, if it's honor or what people think about me. I don't care. I'm just, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to be faithful to you, God. And may God where we just find moments and even in the midst of our own trials and the things we're going through, may we continually be faithful to serve people around us regardless of how they treat us, regardless of our circumstances. We're faithful to you and who you have called us to be. May we be that people. We thank you that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. We love you today in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday. And there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you. We're praying for you. And we hope you'll tune in again soon.